And it is time once again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Carl Soberanis, and welcome to another episode of the Touchdown Report. And today, ladies and gentlemen, is the first episode of a new, not mini-series, but more so a new take that I'm going to be doing, and it is the first quarter recap, and I'm hoping to do this maybe moving forward, possibly. We're, we're at the halfway point, or actually not halfway, we're at a quarter of the way into the NFL season, and I figure that today would be a pretty good day to look at each NFL team and see what am I liking about them, what am I disliking about them, and what my expectations are for that team going forward for the mid for the second half of the season and for and moving forward. So, I decided to take a look at every single NFL team and we are going to be running them down so it may be a little bit of a longer episode. Now before we get started, I do want to say and I do appreciate all of all the support, and so I want to remind everybody that if you enjoy my episodes, to please hit the like button, let me know what you think about my episodes in the comments, and more specifically, just, you know, help me out in general by telling me what you want to see next, and also, of course, a big shout out to my man Jonathan for continuing to help me edit these episodes. So let's get started. The first team, or I guess division we're going to look at first is the AFC North, and the first team I wanted to look at was, con was a one that many fans are definitely liking, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, in five games in the NFL season, the Ravens have managed a 3-2 and two record, which is a pretty good average where I thought they were when the season began to start. So what am I liking about the Ravens so far this year? Well, it's multiple things. Number one, I think, is Lamar Jackson. Jackson, uh, if you guys didn't know, he opted not to sign an extension this year that apparently was offering him a good amount of money but he said no because he wanted more guaranteed money and he said he was going to bet on himself to basically win that contract and as of right now that bet is actually working pretty well for Lamar as of right now five games into his season Lamar Jackson has had 1067 passing yards 12 touchdowns to just five interceptions, which is actually a pretty good mark for him right out the gate. If he keeps this projection up, he is sure to hit probably about 40 touchdowns by the end of the year if he keeps this momentum up. He's also not lost track of his rushing yards, though. He has 374 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns to boot. Lamar basically... I think the biggest concern for him was that he wants to make sure that if he's still used as a dual-threat quarterback, he wants that guaranteed money basically secured. And as a mobile quarterback, you're basically more fragile to that situation, so he obviously wants to make sure he's set up for the future. And hey, as of right now, it's working out pretty dang well for him in this regard. Now, another thing that I like about the Ravens is actually the rushing offense. It's actually the 10th best in the NFL. And that's, again, partly because of Lamar Jackson. 374 rushing yards is impressive, but the team has developed, you know, some nice secondary pieces to run the ball as well. Justin Hill... Justice Hill, sorry, uh, had 125 rushing yards out of the five games so far, and J.K. Dobinson had 108 rushing yards so far. Now again, these are smaller numbers, but it's kind of expected since the Ravens don't really have a number one go-to guy. It's more so now going to be a rotation of sorts between J.K. Dobbins and potentially whoever else it is. So, considering how I'm liking it so far, the rushing attack's not bad. It's actually a pretty consistent rushing attack, and I really think that overall it could definitely be better. Now, what am I disliking about the Ravens so far this year is a pretty big one, is that their defense is not great. They're only 28th in total yards allowed per game, which is 
pretty problematic for a team that's considered a heavy favorite. Another thing that I don't really like about this team is the fact that they have mismanaged several games already this year and have basically lost games that they should have won. For example, they played the Dolphins, I believe it was in week two, and they had a 35-14 lead entering the fourth quarter, but the Dolphins somehow made it back, came back and won the game, 38-35. The Bills led in the Bills game that they played, the Ravens led 20-10 to entering halftime. And you'd think, again, oh, it might be an easy win. But the Ravens would not score a single point the rest of the game, and the Bills would score 13 unanswered to win that game. That's kind of bad mismanagement because your offense needs to produce more, not only in the second half, but basically finish the game when an opponent is trying to come back and score. And the Ravens' offense has definitely shown that it's not... Um, not there yet, but more so struggling because of the result of it. So, what are my expectations for the Ravens? Well, it's, you know, pretty good results right now. Against the AFC East, they were pretty much able to go 2-2, two and two, with, obviously, losses to the Bills and the Dolphins, but they were able to beat the Jets and the Patriots. So, you know, nothing too bad in that sense. Um, the division as a whole is... And the AFC North is basically up for grabs at this point, and I think the Ravens are probably the odds-on favorites to win it. So my expectation for them is that the, hopefully as the season progresses, they learn from their mistakes, their offense improves, their defense improves, and they go better and they get better as they move along. Next up, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who after five games have gone a one and four record, which is pretty bad. And it's kind of, you could kind of see the blame is on one side of it. So what am I liking? Well, the Steelers' defense has been pretty damn impressive so far. Uh, Ten sacks through five games, so they're averaging about two sacks a game, which is pretty good. And they also have eight interceptions through five games, which is leading right, I believe is leading the league right now in total interceptions for a team. And 30 passes defended. So, the clear answer here is that the Steelers' defense is not causing them to lose games. They are doing their job, and they're playing greatly. What is it that is costing them games? The offense. And I'm not liking the QB development. So, if anybody, if anybody don't know, basically, the Steelers drafted George, uh, no, Kenny Pickett, my bad, um, in the first round of this year's draft. And it was believed that he wouldn't start right away. Rather, Mitch Trubisky would be the guy to take the helm and basically be the bridge quarterback for this team. Trubisky, in four starts, had 653 passing yards, two TDs, and two INTs, which is, you know, not horrible, not great. Now, here's the thing, though. It was against the Jets when the team was down 10-6 in the second half. Uh, that the Steelers decided that they were going to put in Kenny Pickett in that game. And Pickett was supposed to then basically help them with the Jets game. They ultimately lost. And it was then after that game that basically the Steelers said that Kenny Pickett would be their quarterback moving forward, that they're going to allow him to develop. Well, that's it was a bad choice because the following week in Week 5, they took on the Buffalo Bills, and Pickett was torn to shreds in that game. Kenny Pickett, in his first one-and-a-half game start, has 447 passing yards, no TDs passing, and four interceptions. That's not good for a quarterback development when you're throwing four interceptions in, a, in the basically the equivalent of one game, which is not good. 
and and many people may be asking, well, maybe his rushing attack could be better. But that's another thing I'm not liking. Najee Harris has struggled in the rushing attack for the Steelers. In five games, he's only had 222 rushing yards and one TD. And he doesn't have a single 100-yard game to his name yet. Now, part of it is because, of course, that he did suffer an injury. I believe it was in the first game of the season, so he's been battling that. But if you're the number one running back for a Steelers team, you got to make sure you're healthy. And right now, he ain't that, so he's that offense is struggling. So what are my expectations for the Steelers? Well, like I said before, their offense is mid at best because of them now having a rookie quarterback at the helm. Their next three games, guys, are against heavy contenders for the Super Bowl. Well, I could say two, technically. I'll explain one of them why in a minute. But basically, they play the Bucks and the Eagles in the next course of three weeks. So that's going to be a problem for Kenny Pickett to develop as a player. Again, Kenny, De- Kenny Pickett's development should be steady. And I honestly, if you're going to have him start, you should have had him start against easier teams than guys like the Bills or the Bucks or the Eagles. So his interceptions might be going up in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, here's hoping that he doesn't end up losing it and hopefully, you know, they developed him slowly and surely so that he can eventually be a star. Because again, you don't want your quarterback to struggle out the gate and lose all of his confidence as a result. Now we're going to be looking at the Cleveland Browns, ladies and gentlemen, who I think have have the second most interesting story in this season so far. So they're 2-3 and three after five games. So what am I liking about them? Well, their rushing attack is really damn good. The number one offense in running the ball, which is kind of expected considering their circumstances. Nick Chubb leads the team with 593 rushing yards through five games. And I think that was also interesting because I think he was out for one. So in reality, that's through four games, which is impressive. And Kareem Hunt continues to be a nice, solid number two option. 247 rushing yards right out the gate as well. So the rushing attack is clearly not the problem for the Browns. They can lean on this as a way for them to to win games and basically control the tempo of the offense. Amari Cooper has also been a bright spot for this Browns offense so far this year. 304 receiving yards and three TDs through five games. It's a nice start for a veteran like him. And considering that the Cowboys had traded him the previous year, or the previous offseason, it's definitely showing that the Cowboys probably messed up and that the Browns actually got a solid steal of a player like Amari Cooper. But what am I disliking about this team? Well, the passing attack isn't great. They're 24th in passing yards. And part of it is because they obviously have a not their quarterback at the helm. Now, many people may ask, well, didn't they get Deshaun Watson this offseason? That's true, but Watson was suspended for the first, I think it was, 11 games to the year, so they've been using backup Jacoby Brissett as the leading passer. Again, Brissett isn't bad in any stretch, it's just that he's not a, a general on the field, or I guess in better terms, he's not a veteran with instincts like Deshaun Watson who can help lead a team down the field and score points. He's more so of a steady guy who won't make mistakes too often. 
And another thing I'm not liking about this team is that there were way too many close games out the gate. Four of their games so far this year out of the five have been decided by three points or less. In most instances, it has gone the Browns way, but it also has gone against them. The rushing attack is basically leads them first in the game, and it's then the passing attack that complements it as a result, which is always a good thing because most eras nowadays with pass-heavy offenses, it's more so that you pass first and then you run. Now, in this offense, it's more so that you run first, pass second. So the expectation I had for the Browns was basically they were right where I thought they'd be um, at five games this year. I knew that they were going to win some games, but they were also probably going to lose some, which is expected. I think they probably lost one more than they should have. The question now arises as to how many more losses can they take before Deshaun Watson returns against the Houston Texans? Because that's when his suspension is up, and basically Watson will probably play about six to seven games to end the year. And so my concern is... Well, how many of those games do you, before that can he can you realistically lose bef- realistically lose before you're in need to just win out? Because again, you're basically betting that once Deshaun comes back, you're hoping that he can win out and help you guys make the postseason. If he doesn't, then you guys are in deep trouble. And finally, the team in the ASC North that I wanted to address before we move on is, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Bengals are at 2-3 and three this year, which is probably not where I wanted them to be this year. I honestly thought they'd be 4-1 and one or 3-2. and two. So, right out the gate, it's definitely a very surpri- alarming situation. Their passing attack, though, is not the blame for it. It's top 12 in passing offenses. Their receivers, Boyd, Higgins, and Chase... For anybody who don't know, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase, all of these guys have 200-plus receiving yards and two TDs to start the year so far. And Joe Burrow is clearly not the problem either. He's been playing great. He has 1,316 passing yards, nine TDs, five INTs, which is, yes, a little bit of an increase to start out his year from last year, but hey, it's not that bad of a start. So what is it causing the Bengals to be, you know, to struggle? Well, it's the sacks. The Bengals basically invested a huge amount of their capital to rebuild their offensive line. Because if you guys don't know, in the Super Bowl, it was exposed to how weak their offensive line was. So they had to go through a massive rebuild of it. They invested a lot of capital, traded players, and basically had reinvented it to where um, Joe Burrow would not struggle. The best example of it was when I think it was Lallan Collins, their new guard or tackle. He basically said that he was now Burrow's bodyguard. But that's not the case. In five games, Burrow has been sacked 18 times. That's not a good sign. Because if you guys don't know, when Burrow has been sacked, he has struggled to get his team out of the hole. And it was also, a, I believe it was a sack that happened that ultimately cost Burrow a season because of him breaking his ankle or some sort. So the sacks is alarming. And especially for a team that invested so much in their O-line, they're definitely saying that, well, maybe we invested the money wrong. Another issue I'm having is the rushing attack for the team isn't really... That amazing. Right out the gate in five games, it's only had two rushing touchdowns, which is not healthy for an offense. An offense should be able to trust their rushing attack to score touchdowns when they need to, not, you know, every now and then. 
Joe Mixon's not the problem, though. He has 302 rushing yards right out the gate. But I think the problem for the Bengals is that they don't have anybody reliable behind him to take over in case he, you know, gets hurt or he's gassed. The second best rusher on the team, Joe Burrow, guys, with only 85 yards. To put that in perspective, their leading rusher, Mixon, has 302. Their second best is Joe Burrow, their QB, with 85. That's kind of alarming, in my opinion. So, the expectations I have for this team, again, the rushing attack and sacks are very concerning for me. The sacks, you know, could potentially hurt Burrow in the long run, and the rushing attack could definitely cause teams to be more ready in a pass-heavy offense versus a run defense, a running team. So it is alarming to say the least. They have critical matchups against division rivals coming up. And so the Bengals can't really afford to lose more games by close scores if they want to repeat go back to the playoffs. So definitely keep an eye on these Bengals and see how their O-line develops as the year goes along. Moving on, we have the AFC South now, and the first team I'm going to talk about is the Indianapolis Colts. With a record of 2-2-1, which... May not seem horrible, but I kind of see it as a downgrade of what they were. What am I liking about this team? Well, they have a 14th best passing offense, which is actually expected. When you have a veteran like Matt Ryan, he's definitely going to be throwing the ball a lot, which is expected. And the defense itself is not half bad either. They're the 8th ranked defense right now in the league. So it's pretty impressive that their defense has been able to withstand major bumps in the road and have been able to play well. Now, what am I disliking about this team? Well, their rushing attack, which is supposed to be the highlight of their team, is 27th in rushing offense. Jonathan Taylor, the leading rusher last year, has only had has only been able to manage 161 rushing yards in one game this year in week 1, and since then has only had 167 in the previous 3. Now, you may say, but didn't he play five games? No, he was injured in week five to match up against the Broncos, so he didn't play. So, obviously, the, the Colts' rushing attack is alarming with how much it has regressed so far this year. And I know I said that Matt Ryan has a good passing offense, but he's kind of struggled a little bit. Like I mentioned before, 1,376 passing yards, 5 TDs, but 7 INTs. And not only that, Ryan has been sacked a total of 21 times in the last 5 games. And to put it even more uh, mildly, in some cases, in the games that they've played, they've had a 3-point th- overtime victory against the Broncos, and they were shut out by the Jaguars in Week 2. So this offense definitely is kind of not looking amazing that I figured it was supposed to be. Considering that they had got a veteran like Matt Ryan and it was expected that all he had to do was play like he normally does and they should be fine. The expectation for the Colts is that, well, the team is definitely in a weird state. So far, they are 0-2-1 in their own division right now with a tie to the Colts and losses to the Jaguars and I believe it was the Titans as well. So the concern now is with those losses, can they essentially withstand uh, that much of a deficit in order to win the division? Their offense is one-sided in one in one point, and it's easier to, to potentially predict. And I think that that's the issue. Their offense has got to improve in more ways than one. Because, again, the defense looks like it's playing well. The offense just needs to improve in more ways than one in order for them to succeed in the long run. 
Next up are the Tennessee Titans, who so far this year have amassed a 3-2 record. And it's not a disappointing record, I would say. It's more so an unexpected record. I'd assume that they'd be 4-1 or, or health undefeated at some point. But again, it hasn't been their way. <laughs> so what am I liking from the Titans? Well, Derrick Henry is slowly returning to King Henry is what I'm seeing in five games. He has 408 rushing yards and five TDs, which is, you know, pretty solid production. And again, it's not elite, but it's very productive for him. And it's kind of showing his ease back into the NFL and how slowly but surely he'll get back into the groove of things. Remember, he missed most of last year due to an injury and barely came back for the Titans playoff game against the Bengals. So, you know, you definitely know that he was basically not at his best that year and so he's still you know making his way back and showing why he's one of the best but aside from that that Titans off there's a lot to like about the Titans offense well not to like there's not a lot to like about the Titans offense there's more to hate about it I'm not liking their offense overall but aside from Derrick Henry it is 30th ranked offensively in total yards per game like yards and whatnot and their defense is not even better. 26 total in 26 overall in total defense, which is again not bad. But I think the biggest concern I have for this team so far, Traylon Burks' production. Now, if you guys don't know, AJ Brown was traded in the offseason during the draft from the Titans to the Eagles, and the Eagles used the pick that they got to draft AJ Brown's replacement. Burks is not showing great results so far in four games that he's played. 129 receiving yards and no TDs. That's alarming. And you look at A.J. Brown, 436 receiving yards and one TD through five games. So you can clearly see that A.J. Brown has been very much more successful than Traylon Burks so far this year. So what are my expectations for the Titans because of this? Again, Traylon Burks' production has to go up. You need to justify trading away an all-pro wide receiver by getting this guy kid the ball more and showing that he can be a number one receiver. The offense in general needs to improve, and they need to address their playbook in the next couple of weeks overall. Again, I can realistically see the Titans as a playoff team, but at the same time, I could also see the many ways that they could shoot themselves in the foot. And don't get me wrong, it's very much alarming if the Titans don't have a winning season by the end of this year, if they decide to finally move on from Ryan Tannehill, or they decide to just keep him around for one more year. Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars, and boy, does this team feel a lot different this year, is what I can definitely say. Right out the gate, a 2-3 record is very impressive for them, considering where they were last year. Now, what am I liking? Well, pretty simple. Tr Trevor Lawrence's development has been a lot better this year than it was last year. To put it in perspective, last year under Urban Myers, Trevor Lawrence had 873 passing yards, 5 TDs, 7 INTs through 4 games. In 5 games now, he has 1,232 passing yards, 8 TDs, and 4 INTs so far. So you can clearly see the production has definitely improved massively. He's thrown more passing yards, more touchdowns, and less interceptions in, in the first 5 games of the year. It's definitely showing that the team is looking at him at the future, and they said, yes, we're going to give him the ball, we're going to help him grow. And right now, Lawrence has delivered. He's been playing good. 
What I'm also liking is the first-round pick development of Devin Lloyd, the linebacker that they got. So far this year, he has 49 total tackles, two interceptions, and sixes, six passes defect deflected. That is impressive for a linebacker like himself, especially since he's basically starting as a starting linebacker. A starting linebacker like that is definitely impressive right out the gate. I'm liking it. But, however, the Jaguars do have some stuff that I'm not liking. The most concerning one is the Trayvon Walker development. Now, Walker was the first pick in this year's draft, and many were obviously expecting that he would eventually grow as the season goes along. That hasn't been the case. So far, he's only had 11 solo tackles and one sack through five games. But then in perspective... Aiden Hutchinson has about seven solo tackles or more and three sacks through five games. So you can clearly see that the number two pick is obviously benefiting a lot more than the number one. And right now, it's definitely looking like the Jaguars probably made a bad choice by taking Walker first overall. So what are my expectations for the Jaguars? Well, so far, these Jaguars are vastly better coached under Urban, under Doug Peterson than they were under Urban Meyer. The Jaguars overall just feel better. You know, everybody's being used correctly. Their offense looks good. Not, gr not amazing, but it's a good offense. And their defense is definitely playing well. Now, the team itself has struggled in some games. Like last week, they lost a pretty ugly game to the Texans. But this team could definitely be worse at some point with how bad the AFC South is I would not be surprised if the Jacksonville Jaguars somehow won the division in the middle of the rebuild I just realistically could see that but again I'm not gonna jinx it but hey the Jaguars fans if you can make the playoffs in the middle of your rebuild I mean hats off to you guys <laughs> and then the last team in the AFC South is of course the Houston Texans who so far have a 1-3-1 record so far this year which is Pretty much where they were about last year, or even worse, probably. So, what am I liking? Well, on the bright side, Davis Mills hasn't been a horrible quarterback for them so far this year. 1,048 passing yards, 5 TDs, and 4 INTs isn't bad for a quarterback of his caliber. Considering that he went in the later rounds of last year's draft, he's played pretty well. And I also like that the Texans overall have been competitive despite their record shows. Competitive in both their record and in their rebuild. Because think about it. Week one, they had a tie against the Colts, which was impressive considering that I thought the Colts would have won that game. They had two close games with one of them against the Broncos before ultimately losing in a shootout to the Chargers. And like I said, from the previous team, last week they pulled off a pretty nice win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just think that this Texans team, despite all of its issues and how it is in a rebuild, they can definitely spoil a game for you if you let them. Now, obviously, their offense and defense, though, still needs improvement. Both of them are in the bottom 10 in the league right now. And the rebuild, obviously, is still going to cause them to look at it and say that we need to find ways to improve. Hopefully, they are able to find players that can help them in the long run as well as in the short run. But another thing I'm concerning about is right now is Derek Stingley Jr.'s development. Now, he was the third player taken in this year's draft, and it's kind of alarming that his production hasn't really shown so far. Five passes deflected and only one interception in five games, and part of it's because of his injury, specifically with his arm. Now, again, 
it's not saying that he's an immediate bust. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that as of right now, he is definitely in a situation where he is going to struggle if he can't stay healthy. So what are my expectations for this team? Well, it, they're in a rebuild, so I'm not expecting too much from them. I don't think this team will win the division. More so, I think that they're just going to continue to develop their players and as a result, you know, improve for the long run. The question that I think is on everybody's mind is what is Houston going to do at quarterback? Will Davis Mills still be the starting quarterback by next year? Or will they invest their potential top pick in a future quarterback? It's going to be interesting to see where the Texans go in this regard. Alrighty, next division, we have the AFC East. And we're going to start off with the Miami Dolphins, who right now have a 3-2 record and are pretty damn impressive, but this could potentially change. So, what am I lacking from this team? Well... Tuatungavailoa start has been pretty damn impressive. 1,035 passing yards, 8 TDs, and 3 INTs th for him through 4 games. Tua is definitely a player that many fans definitely had written off and saying that he had a potential to be a bust, but now he's showing that he's not, and he's playing really well. Now, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have definitely been a formidable wide receiver duo for this team. Hill has 524 receiving yards and 2 TDs, while Waddle has 404 receiving yards and 3 TDs. And overall, these two have definitely helped the Dolphins form a top 5 passing offense, which is very good. But what am I disliking about this team? Well, it's a pretty obvious one that I think a lot of people have noticed. It is the concussion handling of Tua Tungavailoa, and it definitely has been alarming. So, if you guys don't know, basically, during the Bills game in week, I believe it was three, uh, Tua suffered what would appear to be a back and head injury against the game, where he basically got hit hard on the turf, he then got up and started jumping around, you know, trying to get back to the things, and it looked like it was concerning. Now, now, normally, concussion protocols would have potentially kept him out of that game, and also out for the potential next game, but Tua finished the game. And he played. And many people were like, okay, maybe it was just, you know, the adrenaline and whatnot. Now, uh, they were having a short week and they were playing on a Thursday night game. Many would have assumed that maybe Tua wasn't going to start. Maybe, you know, the coaches and the staff would be like, let's not start him. But Tua passed the concussion protocol stuff for the Dolphins in only four days and actually played against the um, Bengals on that game. However, he then suffered another more serious injury against the Bengals where his basically his body tightened up and he looked like he was out. And it was more serious. And as a result, they had to cart him to the nearby hospital. Now, I won't say that the Dolphins did a bad job. No stretch of the imagination. Because again, every team's concussion protocol is different from the leagues. Because everybody does it differently. But the concern was definitely the mishandling of Tua is concerning because now it's reported that, you know, he sat out for this week's game versus the Jets and there is really no timeable return for the Dolphins QB this year, if at all. Some have even begun to ask that maybe Tua should just retire after this. And that's very alarming. So what are my expectations for it? Well, the Dolphins looked good out the gate with Tua in their first a couple games they went undefeated 3 and 0 in those stretch but now they have definitely reached the kind of roadblock 
The concern is definitely the Tua Tungavailoa situation. The long-term trauma that could happen and potentially the damage to your brain could be serious to Tua. And so the question for the Dolphins is, well, did you get well, where do we go here? Because, you know, we were considered a playoff contender, but now our quarterback's hurt. What are we gonna do now? I just don't know where the Dolphins are gonna go in this situation. It'll be interesting to monitor as the season progresses. I did say that they were a heavy favorites when Tua was undefeated, but now I'm not so sure. Next up, we have the Patriots, who also um, have started the year. Well, actually, not also. They've went 2-3 and three to start the year this year. And it's definitely been alarming for the Patriots so far this year, depending, uh, surrounding their current situation. So what am I liking from this team? Well, their pass rush is actually pretty good. Matthew Judon, who's become a key piece to that defense, has six sacks so far, with Detris Wise Jr. having four as well. 13 through five games, and these two guys have amounted for 10 of them. That is amazing. They've been definitely one of the few bright spots in the rough start to the year. What am I disliking, though? Well, it's that Mac Jones has regressed massively. In four games that he's played, 786 passing yards, two TDs, five INTs. And in this year, um, in last year, they had 1,012 passing yards, four TDs, and four INTs in 2021. So you can see he's thrown for less passing yards, less touchdowns, and more interceptions. And not only that, he also got hurt at one point. So Mac Jones's production right now is alarming considering that he was arguably considered the best quarterback of his draft so far just because of his success in guiding the Patriots to postseason. Their offense seems ineffective at times as well. They've only had four receiving touchdowns through five games. And again, 2021 was where Belichick and the Patriots invested so much in the receiving core so that they could get better. And now only four touchdowns to show for it so far this year. Devontae Parker, who was considered by many a number one receiver in uh, Miami and was said that all he needs is a new start and he'll be able to prosper, he only has 189 receiving yards and a TD so far this year in five games. So the concern is alarming. So what am I expecting for the Patriots? Well, if they are what they're supposed to be, a playoff team, they got to improve massively because of how competitive the AFC is with so many teams that can make the postseason. This team needs to definitely get better if they want to have a chance. The division is very stacked right now, and if they don't win close games, they're not going to win the division, and they'll basically be fighting for a wildcard spot. So I really think that if they don't improve by next week or the next couple of weeks, they definitely could be missing the postseason. And it also might raise the stigma that maybe Bill Belichick was better with Tom Brady all along. Who knows? Next um, next team is, of course, the New York Jets, who have so far this year amassed a 3-2 and record. So what am I liking about the Jets? Well, their offense attack passing attack is actually really good ninth best and get this this is with a backup quarterback named joe flacco in flacco's starts so far this year he had 901 passing yards five tds and three ints uh so far in the four about four games that he played zach wilson took over and he has 462 passing yards a td and two ints in about about one and a half games that he's played Again, Zach Wilson has definitely been slowly been eased back into the team's offense a lot better and has definitely been helping him as, a, as he continues to grow as a quarterback. 
Garrett Wilson, their rookie, their their rookie wide receiver, has also been pretty good. 282 receiving yards and two TDs through five games. It's good production, in my opinion, because of the fact that, A, he didn't play with his um, franchise QB, but the backup. And two, it's definitely good production for him because of the fact of the teams that they've played so far this year. Overall, the team looks really good, and the defense is actually top 10 in top 10, allowing only 320 yards per game so far this year. Their rookie corner, Sauce Gardner, he's been pretty damn good. An, an interception and six passes defended so far this year. He's definitely been living up to the hype so far. And the young core has been built from the ground up for this defense, which is what I'm really enjoying so far. Now, what I'm disliking, though, it is, of course, the rushing attack. They're in the bottom nine in rushing offenses this year, which is bizarre, considering that the head coach and the offensive coordinator are both from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. So the question is, well, why is that the case? Only having 485 rushing yards through five games, but they do have six TDs to show for it. Um, Overall, I just think that the team needs to essentially improve um, they could improve once Zach Wilson is finally healthy. But because again, a big part of their offense has to revolve around Zach Wilson. So obviously, when he's not there, it becomes a lot more predictable. So what are my expectations for this team? Well, they went 2-2 two and two against the AFC North, which is actually pretty good considering how bad that division was. You definitely want to keep an eye on Zach Wilson's development in year two because it's definitely looking like they're trying to move with him being, you know, the number one quarterback. They want to have him grow as a result. And keep an eye on Robert Saul. He may finally be building something good in New York after, you know, the last couple of years has been disaster for the Jets. It looks like he might be one of the few that actually is trying to rebuild something good in a culture there that might bring more players there over time. And then we also have the final team in the AFC East before we move on to potentially the West. It is the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Bills so far this year have been my favorite team to watch. Four and one so far this year in the AFC. What am I liking from this team? Well, Josh Allen is goddamn elite. 1,651 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. This kid is amazing. And he's played amazing every game he steps on the field every day he steps on the field he plays great their offense is top three in total offense second in top passing offenses and second in total defensive yards allowed that is impressive Stefan Diggs has been amazing 508 receiving yards five TDs through five games he's definitely continuing to showcase himself as the top five receiver in this league period it's very good But there is only one thing I'm not liking about this Bills team, though, and that's their running backs not getting enough yardage. Their running backs have not been getting the ball a lot. But again, this team is pass-heavy for the most part. Zach Moss only has 91 uh, rushing yards through five games. James Cook, 89. Devin Singletary, 171. Their top rusher this year is actually Josh Allen with 225. So, very much interesting to see how they're going to try and improve this rushing attack if they want it to be a secondary option for when, you know, the offense offense stutters or the defense clamps down on the passing attack. My expectation is that this team is very good, and they are definitely heavy Super Bowl favorites this year. 
The defense has been impressive despite so many injuries to the cornerbacks this year with guys like Javarius White, I think it was like Levi Wallace and many others going down. The only question now is that they, can they finally make it over the hump? And by hump, you know damn well who I mean. Can they finally beat a Kansas City in the playoffs? It's Time will tell. I will be very interested to see how that game turns out when we finally get to see it. And the last division that we'll talk about before moving on to the NFC is, of course, the AFC West. And the first team we'll look at is, of course, the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the Chargers so far this year are 3-2 and two right out the gate. I could realistically say that they're 4-1, and one, but they obviously have struggled so far. So 3-2 and two is where the record stands. So what am I liking? Well, Justin Herbert's been pretty good. He's been amazing, in my opinion. 1,478 passing yards, 10 TDs, and 2 INTs, which is pretty good for his record. Again, the Chargers are making good use of Justin Herbert's contract with him having a rookie salary, allowing him to grow as a result. Their offense overall is really good. They're the number two ranked passing offense, passing for an average of 291 passing yards per game, which is pretty good, about 300 a game. His weapons at his disposal are very impressive. Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, they've been great for, you know, Justin Herbert. And speaking of Mike Williams, he has really balled out so far. 392 receiving yards and two TDs in five games this year. It's definitely been showing that he's definitely been earning his contract extension that he signed this offseason that I mentioned about. And he's filled in the number one role nicely since the Keenan Allen injury, where Allen was been, was forced to stay, sit out a couple of games due to an injury. Very good. Now, what am I disliking about this team, though, is definitely the J.C. Jackson concern. J.C. Jackson's injury. So far, he's been injured two times so far this year, and he's only been able to play three games as a result. Now, again, I could say that part of it is just because, you know, him adjusting to different turf, and as a result, could be something, you know, that can be looked at. But concerning because of a big-time contract extension could definitely be problematic for the Chargers, since many fans have seen what happens when you invest in big-time corners or receivers and they immediately go down with injuries. That's a bad, that's a bad sign. So definitely, J.C. Jackson's got to improve healthy, get healthy, and be better in order for them to be you know, in a much more relaxed state. The only question, another concern I have with this team, can they take care of their own division opponents? They lost a they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 2 after losing a fourth quarter lead, and they barely got past the Raiders in Week 1, and now they're set um, where they are right now. So the team itself can win in games, just a matter of them beating their own division and being able to win those close games. Basically, can Spanos help the team finish the games near the end? Their, their head coach. I just do not know if that's the case, especially considering that this has happened last year and the year prior. So, again, I the expectation is that this team is good. They have good pieces, but injuries are starting to take their toll. And the thing is that I'm asking is that can the Chargers take care of their own division and with an easy record take the lead as a result? If they can do that, it can help them definitely set up a buffer between them and other teams and secure their playoff spot. The only concern is whether or not they can actually do it. And next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, who are, as always, a favorite for anybody to watch. So far this year, they are 4-1 to start the year. Not undefeated, 4-1. So what am I lacking from the Chiefs? Well, Patrick Mahomes is probably, and I think arguably the best quarterback of his time. 
I mean, he is amazing. 1,398 passing yards, 15 touchdowns to two interceptions. He's putting up yet another MVP-style performance. And guys, if anything we could take away from the Bucks game that he played earlier this year, he can damn right be scary in the red zone. His offense is top 10 in total offense, passing yards, and rushing yards. And this is surprising, considering the fact that they lost Tyree Kill in the offseason. I thought their offense would have taken a dip, but that's not the case. Travis Kelsey has been his go-to receiving target, and he's caught 7 of Mahomes' 15 touchdowns. About half of them. That is impressive. Including an impressive 4-touchdown performance on Monday night against the Raiders. So, you know, applause to that. What am I disliking, though, about this Chiefs team? It's only one major concern, and it's, of course, the Trent McDuffie injury. He suffered a hamstring injury in Week 1, and he's been definitely not been playing at his best so far this year. And it's very much a sad thing to, to see as a player, you know, struggles right out the gate. Again, he was supposed to be the replacement on their cornerback with Traverius Ward leading, leaving in free agency. He was supposed to definitely be that guy that takes over and, you know, Wins the wins you the 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 one on one against the receiver. So at the end, I'm hoping that he recovers and he gets better because you know you don't want that to happen to any first round pick that they struggle right out the gate. So again, what are my expectations for this team? They are heavy favorites for the postseason and for the Super Bowl as always. The team will be interesting to look at, though, in the next two matchups because they go up against the Bills and then the 49ers, two teams with really good defenses. So it'll be interesting to see where that can go. There it can go, and basically the team, the team overall is better than ever, and they can basically win any game that they're throwing at. If they're down seventeen nothing, they can come back and win the game. If they need to win a shootout against a team, they can do that. If they need to rally, they can do that. The Chiefs team overall is just downright dangerous. Next up, we have the Las Vegas Raiders and. Boy, it's been a rough start for the Raiders so far. A 1-4 record. And it's definitely struggling. So what am I liking from this Raiders despite the record? Well, their rushing attack's pretty good. Josh Jacobs has been very productive. He leads the league in st- as the third best rusher. 490 rushing yards and 3 TDs. Which, again... I figured was expected, and what I mentioned in my last video when I talked about the Raiders' first-round picks, Josh Jacobs has been a guy that has been one of the few first-rounders that have succeeded in being a star. Who else is a star in this Raiders team? Max Crosby has. Six sacks so far this year and 11 tackles for loss, which is very impressive for him so far. But then probably one of the more compelling kind of players, I guess, is Devontae Adams. He's been playing really good. Now, Again, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to address that I did see him pushing that one camera guy at the end of his game versus the Chiefs. Now, I won't make a statement about him just yet. All I will say is that it was a very interesting situation and that he'll likely be suspended and fined for it as a result. But Adams, right now, as a playing like football, he's been pretty good. 414 receiving yards and 5 TDs through 5 games. And he had a big 2-touchdown game last night against the Chiefs as well. His offense may be incompetent at times, but Adams has produced well. And he's definitely showing that he's been the very much a benefiter from the trade that they made with the Packers this offseason. 
What am I disliking about it, though, is that the team has struggled. Specifically, a point I want to point out, Hunter Renfro's production. Now, Renfro, in my video talking about wide receiver paydays, he got a nice small-term extension for the team for being a very good receiver. But so far, his production has definitely dipped a little bit. 14 catches, 105 yards so far this year, no touchdowns. He has three lost fumbles in three games, including two in the same game against the Cardinals, one of which was returned for a touchdown that ended the game. Considering that extension, his short-term success right now is a little bit alarming. Now, I will say, part of it might be because of the Devontae Adams trade. He obviously has been targeted less, not needed as much. But still, it's very alarming that if he isn't considering his production is getting better, it's definitely alarming. But another thing I'm not liking is the Josh McDaniels higher. McDaniels was supposed to be this offensive genius from the Patriots to succeed this team and lead them forward. But so far, he's been struggling for a Raiders offense that has clearly shown that they can win games before Daniels got here. Now, after his 0-3 start, apparently that he met with owner Mark Davis behind closed doors to discuss the team overall, and it was then after that that he left, and it was, you know, an interesting situation. Nobody knows what was said during the interview. All that was known is that, you know, he talked to him and addressed him. It's questionable clock management and decision-making that have definitely cost the Raiders games so far this year. So the concern is, basically, how far will Mark Davis tolerate Daniels' hire until he maybe cuts ties with him? That's the question. Now, the expectation is that the team overall is capable of being a Super Bowl contender. Their offense is really stacked, and their defense just has to do just enough to win them games. The matter of the head coaching game planning has to be better, and the team overall needs to manage a game better. They lost an overtime lead to the Cardinals, and they lost this Monday against the Chiefs, having a 17-0 lead heading into the, in the second half. This team can play good and can manage games better. They just need to find a way to do it. And probably one of the most frustrating teams in the AFC before we move on into the NFC that I have to talk about is the Denver Broncos. Two and three record this year. This is not where I thought this team would be this year. It's alarming. So what am I liking about the Broncos? Their defense is really damn good. <laughs> Top three in yards allowed per game, allowing an average of 16 points per game, which is really good. This defense has definitely been the one bright spot for this team. And it has very good stars. Guys like Patrick Sertain, Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb, they've been playing great so far this year. So what am I disliking about this team? Well, Russell Wilson has been the guy that I'm not liking so far this year. In five games, Russell Wilson has played 1,254 passing yards. And you're saying, okay, you know, that's not bad. That's, you know, average. Four TDs to three INTs in five games. Their offense is 31st in points scored per game with 15 average. To put that in perspective, four of his five games played, Russell Wilson has offense has only been able to score 16 points or less. 16 against the Seahawks, 16 against the Texans, 11 to the 49ers, and then 12 to the Colts. There's the outlier of the Raider game, but we're not going to talk about that. 
It's gotten to the point where fans have booed the team whenever they don't score or move the chains in the red zone. It's gotten frustrating. The best example I can say that this team is very much a bad team in their game against the Colts, when it was 9-9 heading to overtime, fans were leaving the stadium before overtime could begin. That's how bad it was. And another thing I don't like is Nathaniel Hackett's decision-making. Questionable calls on offense that I'm not getting. So, to put it in perspective, he decides not to go for it on fourth down when they're like inside the five of the red zone. With an elite quarterback who can make plays. And instead they kick a field goal or handing off to the running back. Which, okay, you know, yeah, take your points. But you gave this guy about $200 million in contract money. And now you're saying you're not wanting him to go for it. You're not allowing Wilson to improvise and make plays with his leg. He just doesn't look, he's not looking like that. And again, some have said that it's because Wilson wants to be a more a throw-first, run-second kind of guy. Whereas, when he was Seattle, he would throw and improvise as he went along. It is alarming, Nathaniel Hackett's decision-making so far this year. And the base, to sum it all up, is that he has made questionable calls and is definitely a concern for the Bronco, Broncos overall. The expectations I have, I said that the Broncos were about one quarterback away from being a contender. I mentioned it before. Now I think there are only one head coach away. I'm just not liking Nathaniel Hackett so far this year and how he has managed the Broncos. I would definitely say keep an eye on Russell Wilson moving forward because, again, maybe it's just a first quarter slump that he always gets into and he gets better as the year, year goes along. But also keep an eye on Nathaniel Hackett because if he continues to struggle offensively, I mean, he could have it. He could have his ass fired by probably week seven, week eight of this year if he can't improve. Now, finally, moving along after so much AFC talk and about a good chunk of time gone by, let's now move on into the NFC. And boy, does this division feel a lot different than it was last year. So, the NFC overall, I think, will start with the North, and the Packers are an interesting team. 3-2 and two records so far this year. So, not where I thought they would be. I thought they'd be 4-1, and one, but they're 3-2. and two. So, what am I liking? The defense is actually pretty good, especially considering that it's always been considered the liability for the team so far. 7th in yards allowed per game, 2nd in passing yards allowed, and 11th in points per lot allowed. Which is pretty good for a defense like the Packers, which, is considered, which has constantly been a team that has struggled you know, to stop the other opposing team. The rushing attack is also pretty good, led by Aaron Jones. 390 rushing yards and one TD through five games. He's definitely been the bell cow for this offense. And he's been one of the few stable veterans for this Aaron Rodgers-led offense. What am I disliking, though, is that the offense seems lost without Devontae Adams. Five different receivers have 100-plus yards so far this year. None of them have truly taken over the game like Devontae Adams did. And there's now obviously concern that maybe they're not helping Rodgers as much. To put it in perspective, the drama surrounding Rodgers in the receiving core has definitely been massive. There was a time when Rodgers called out his entire receiving core for not catching the ball or not running the routes correctly. And then the next day, he had to play with them and practice with them. So kind of an awkward situation. And I know a lot of people may ask this, but many have started to say that maybe Aaron Rodgers is washed up. 
1,157 passing yards, 8 TDs, and 3 INTs, which again is not horrible, but the games that he's played have been interesting. He lost an ugly game versus the Minnesota Vikings, and in this past Sunday, lost a game to the New York Giants. Yeah, that's surprising. He barely won a, a two-point game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and barely was able to lay, lead his team to overtime against a third-string quarterback for the Patriots. It's very alarming where this uh, Packers team is right now, because I don't know where exactly they are supposed to be. So one of my expectations for this team, well, the Packers seem like the least impressive 3-2 and two team right out the gate. I don't know if it's the early struggles or is the team not gelling well. It could be a mix of both things. Keep an eye on how Aaron Rodgers develops his receiving core in the next few games because, again, it's a matter of how he he's able to understand the game for his receivers and learn as a result. It'll be interesting to see where he goes with that team so far. Next up, we will talk about the Chicago Bears, who are 2-3 and three so far this year, which is a pretty alarming thing that they have managed to win two games. <laughs> it's very impressive. So what am I liking? Well, the running backs have been pretty good, specifically Khalil Herbert. I thought it was a pretty good start to his year so far. 328 rushing yards and 3 TDs through 5 games. That's a pretty good positive for a Bears offense that has been, for the most part, stagnant. It's definitely helped ease the workload for David Montgomery, who's been supposed to be the leading rusher for this Packers team. Another guy who has benefited a lot was Roquan Smith, who has played really well. 34 total tackles, one interception, and two forced fumbles. And then to put it in perspective, it's amazing how he's been able to do that, considering that he wanted a trade out of there. Very good production from him. But what am I not liking about this team? Is that they are near dead last in the league in offense. 31st in total yards per game, 32nd in passing yards, and 31st in points scored. Justin Fields' production has not been great. 679 passing yards, 3 touchdowns, 4 interceptions through 5 games. He's not getting any better. Sacked 18 times in those 5 games. And rushing, he's been good. He has 194 rushing yards and 1 TD, but you can't just rely on your legs all the time. you got to definitely throw it. His receiving core is also not producing and not helping him out. 391 total receiving yards by all of his wide receivers. Most other teams have wide receivers that have more receiving yards than they do, which is alarming. So what do I think about this Bears team? Well, the team overall, its offense is not there. And the question then becomes, how can Justin Fields develop if his team can't provide him with weapons? Because there's so much you can do without... A, a legitimate receiver or a legitimate running back. So keep an eye on how Justin Fields develops and how much of it can you put the blame on him and how much on the front office if he struggles. Next, uh, after that, we have the Minnesota Vikings who went 4-1 and one so far this year, which is actually surprising. I honestly thought they'd be 3-2, but 4-1 is where they stand. What am I liking from this team? Wide receiver duo of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, really damn good. Justin Jefferson has, they both guys combined of Jefferson and Thielen, 795 receiving yards and three TDs through five games. 
Really good. Kirk Cousins has been average Kirk Cousins, which is not bad. 1,327 passing yards, 7 TDs, and 5 interceptions in 5 games. Really good for him so far. What am I disliking, though? is the Jalen Rager acquisition. I believe it was that the Vikings traded for Rager for a late-round pick with the Eagles. Or was that he was released, or something like that. And so far, he's only had three catches for 10 yards and one touchdown. It's kind of disappointing, considering that we know that he was a first-round pick in 2020 and was taken in that big draft where he had a bunch of wide receivers. It's a little bit of alarming, but at the same time, considering that they have Jefferson and Thielen, I don't really see it as that bad of a, you know, a disliking. So the Vikings overall, my expectation for them is that they're in the same mold as they are in every year, where they play really good against bad and average teams, but once they face elite teams, they fall apart. The best thing I talk about is that primetime Kirk Cousins just isn't it. So the question is, can the Vikings go over the hump and win it? And I really think that probably not. (laughs) It's just, you know, that difficult situation where they're at. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions in the north who have a 1-4 record, which is kind of disappointing considering that the Lions have always been a team that no matter what, they will always fight and win games when necessary, but every now and then they'll definitely lose. So what am I liking? The Detroit offense is pretty fun to watch. Number three in total offense, fifth in passing, and sixth in rushing. And again, I like this team offensively because they always are able to find ways to stay in games and make games fun. Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, Amaran St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, they're lighting it up. They're playing really good. And they've definitely carried this offense to be pretty amazing right out the gate. Aiden Hutchinson has been one of the good pieces on defense for them. Three sacks in five games so far. He's the young piece of their future and leads all rookies in sacks. So he's definitely been very impressive in his first start to the NFL, considering that he's from the Detroit area or nearby. Disliking, though, outside of Hutchinson, the defense overall is dead last in everything. They allow the most yards per game and most points scored per game. Where are they going with their defense is the big question. Because, like, I just don't know who exactly is on there that can help them. The offense has playmakers. Their defense just needs to find young core to build around. Because the offense, like, they have it. They have guys like Swift, Brown, and TJ Hawkinson to build around. Their defense, though, they don't really have it just yet. So it's a matter of finding who they want to build around and help continue to improve. And they always lose those close games. This is what I've always noticed. The team can win games against anybody. Just the matter of just, you know, the defense stepping up when they need to and actually stopping them. They gotta manage these games better. Three of their four losses have come from four points or less. The Lions, as my expectations go, they're in rebuilding mode. They're not gonna make the postseason. They're the most interesting one and four team to watch. And the pieces of the future are shining, and everybody else is definitely there for the ride. So it'll be interesting to see how the Lions improve as the year goes along. The Saints are now up next, who have a pretty 2-3 and three record, which is pretty much where I figured that they would be at this year. 
What I'm liking from this team is that Chris Alave has been really good. 389 receiving yards and two TDs through five games. He leads all rookie rookie wide receivers so far. That's pretty good. And he's definitely taken over that number one receiving role that the Saints have definitely been looking for, which is what I'm definitely liking from him so far. Taysom Hill is also really good so far in his um, start to the year. 228 rushing yards and five TDs through five games. And let's not forget that he also has a 22-yard passing touchdown, which is really nice to see him used in both the receiving game and passing game. Or, well, rushing and receiving. Passing, though, he hasn't really made that big of a contribution. He only has one catch for two yards. That's it. What am I disliking, though, is Jameis Winston. I figure that many fans have said, obviously, that Jameis Winston's supposed to be that guy that takes over the Saints after Drew Brees left. But so far, he's definitely struggled. 858 passing yards, 4 TDs, and 5 INTs through 5 games. Or 3 games, rather. Andy Dalton had had to play quarterback because of Winston getting hurt in those two games that he missed. But the question is, is Winston a legit starting quarterback for the Saints? Because right now he's not really looking like it. I'm kind of in a concern where I don't know where he is. Another thing to look at is that the veterans for this team kind of seem washed up or seem not as great. Michael Thomas has only 171 receiving yards and three TDs in three games played. While Alan Kamara has only 203 rushing yards in three TDs in three games played, sorry. So, and this is surprising considering that these two guys were pieces of this offense who thrived when Drew Brees is there, but now that he's not, they're kind of taking a dip. Now, the Saints, I think, are a team that are looking to develop their new stars overall. Guys like Chris Olave and guys like, you know, Taysom Hill to continue to grow. However, they're struggling to keep stars healthy, and they don't really know who their quarterback is. Again, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara have been hurt multiple times so far in their careers. So the concern is how much longer can they go before they um, continue to um, get hurt. The one benefit, though, is that Taysom Hill is still a surprising guy to watch. So you know, keep that in mind. <laughs> Now we talk about the Buccaneers, who right now have a 3-2 record and lead the division, which is pretty expected. What am I liking from this team? Well, they're third in sacks, with 19 sacks. Devin White has three sacks, Shaquille Barrett has two, and Vina Vea has two and a half. So you can clearly see that the sacks for this team are still really, really good. They're definitely a team that can then hurt you in the pass rush. Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. 1,409 passing yards, 7 TDs, and only 1 INT. That's impressive, considering the fact that most of his receivers have been banged up or suspended this year. So, very surprising start for him. However, I'm disliking their rushing attack, though. The rushing game is 31st in rushing yards. 330 total rushing yards through 5 games, guys. But only 127 of them have been through one game. So the team overall definitely has got to address that, especially if they want to continue the success that they've had over the playoffs in the last couple of years. The receiving core is also injured to, injured to hell and back. Chris Godwin has only played three games this year. Julio Jones has only played two. Michael e Mike Evans had to be suspended for a game due to his fight with Marshawn Lattimore. So very concerning so far to see this team you know, their receiving court getting hurt. It got to the point where it was Russell Gage being the top guy for them. 
the expectation is that their offense is good, but the receiving core is definitely getting hurt way too often. And the matter is that they need to make sure that they don't lose anybody long term. Their defense is not as great as it was before. The sacks are still good, but they're, you know, defending against the ball is definitely struggling. The rushing tech, though, has to improve overall, which is, you know, which is no something that many fans have expected. Next up, we have the, and finally in the AFC, NFC South, sorry, we have the Panthers who had one, who have a one and four record so far this year. So the Panthers have been a team that I had very little you know, hope for because of their situation at head coach and everything else. Christian McCaffrey, though, is back to form, though. He's looking like the Christian McCaffrey of old. 512 all-purpose yards and three TDs through five games. And he's definitely been that centerpiece for this team again, which is really good. Brian Burns, their defensive, I think, tackle or end, he's been really solid so far this year. Four sacks, 21 total tackles, and six tackles for a loss in five games. He's definitely been a, a, solid, a solid start for a defensive piece on that line. What am I disliking, though, is the Baker Mayfield is still regressing. Now, he only has 962 passing yards, four TDs, and four INTs through five games. It's still kind of showing that he has become regressed as a quarterback this year. He's definitely getting to where he's no longer a starting quarterback, but more so a veteran who can play every now and then, but can definitely struggle. Now, many people may say, well, why don't you bench him? Well, the thing is, he's the only option at quarterback that Carolina has right now. Sam Donald and Matt Corral are both on IR. And now the report apparently came out was that now he's hurt. So the the Panthers are in a very difficult situation. Their offense passing game, guys, is very bad. 28th in total passing yards. It feels one-dimensional with Christian McCaffrey being the guy that gets the first targets. Everybody else struggling. It's, a, it's caused guys like DJ Moore and Rodney Anderson to struggle offensively. So, one of my expectations was that this offense was very predictable and that the defense was good but can't always win the, the game for them. And here's the funny thing, guys. I actually had written down that unless turnarounds happen, I said that Matt Rule would be fired by week seven. Update, though, he was fired, I believe it was yesterday, after a one and four start. And his tenure in Carolina was pretty bad. He only went 11 and 27 in this year, and he was fired in his third year of his sixth year contract. Which, by the way, the Panthers still have to pay him the rest of that contract because it was guaranteed money. So, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, but the Matt Rule experience is now over in Carolina after five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> the next team we will look at is the Atlanta Falcons, who are 2-3, and three, which is, you know, a pretty decent start for this team. I figured that um, the team overall is definitely in a rebuilding stage, but they definitely have something to smile about. And their rushing attack is actually the third best in the league this year with 823 rushing yards. And it's not and it's impressive considering that Cordero Patterson Patterson had 340 of those yards before landing on IR. And yet the team has still been able to run the ball well. Again, when he gets back and when he's healthy, he'll definitely be the leading cowbell for them going forward. I'm also liking Drake London's production. And I think you'll notice, guys, that Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, all these rookie receivers are actually doing really good so far. 
he had 266 receiving yards and two TDs through five games this year, which is pretty nice for the um, the product, I believe it was, out of USC. He's averaging production for a good first-year receiver, and he's nicely filling in for the Calvin Ridley role now that, you know, Calvin Ridley got suspended for, you know, gambling. So he's definitely, you know, getting into the groove of things. What my disliking, though, is that Kyle Pitts' production has been down. 150 total receiving yards through four games and three games under 30 yards this year. That's alarming for a receiving tight end like his caliber, a guy who was taken fourth overall. So, very much concerned, and definitely fantasy owners are very upset. Marcus Mariota has been eh, about average. 926 passing yards, 4 TDs, and 4 INTs this year, to go along with 156 rushing yards and 2 TDs. It's not long-term solution for the Falcons, but it's a serviceable one. Because the question then becomes, is Mariota your long-term future, or is he just your bridge for when you draft somebody or you want to go after somebody? It's very interesting to see where the uh, Falcons will go in this situation. Again, I don't know what to feel about the Falcons and their expectations. They're in a rebuilding sense, but they can definitely win games and be a surprise for any team. Um, Because they had a very close game against the Rams earlier this year, and then this past week they were one roughing the passer penalty away from potentially tying a game against the Bucks. So it's interesting to keep an eye on the Falcons, especially with where they're going with their offense so far. Next, The next division, or second to last division we'll be looking at, it is the NFC East. And we're going to be taking a look at the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I never thought I'd say that. Eagles 5-0 start this year. I honestly did not expect that. I thought at best they'd go 3-2, but they are 5-0. What am I liking? Jalen Hurts is balling out at the quarterback. 1,359 passing yards, 4 TDs, and 2 INTs. Again, the TDs could be a little bit more, but I'm not going to complain. He has 266 rushing yards and 6 touchdowns to boot, which is actually really good. His receiving core of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have been lights out. A.J. Brown, 436 receiving yards and 1 TD through 5 games. He's definitely showing that that, that Titans trade was very much one-sided. Devontae Smith, 353 receiving yards in one TD through five games. The defense overall has 17 sacks through five games. And it may come as a surprise. I don't really see anything bad about the Eagles. I just think that they've played really good. Now, have they played against easy opponents? Yeah, sure. But even then, they've been pretty good. My expectations for the Eagles is that they've really taken advantage of their position of the team and in the conference as a whole and have been on fire. Their schedule benefits them to keep winning, you know, in the next couple of games and continue an undefeated streak. And unlike what Colin uh, from the Herd said, their podcast, he said that he talked about the Eagles not being legit contenders. I think the Eagles can be a team that contend in the playoffs. I actually think they can. Just a matter of them continuing to improve and grow as a team. The next, uh, speaking of teams growing, how about them Cowboys? Four and one record for the Cowboys. Is it finally their year? I don't know. But you can definitely say that Cooper Rush for them has been playing really well for them, filling in for an injured uh, Dak Prescott. 
839 passing yards, four TDs, no interceptions through four games. And it's almost feel like Dak hasn't left the team because the offense looks exactly like what Dak does, just that it was just a lot more conservative in terms of, you know, making sure the turnovers aren't massive. Him as a quarterback, he's undefeated with a 5-0 record. Their defense, though, has been the shining star for this Cowboys team. Seven in total yards allowed. 20 sacks through four games. They haven't allowed anybody to score 20 or more points on them in five games played. And they're averaging 14.4 points allowed. Hey, this defense, I always talk about them being a weak point for them in the last couple of years. This year might be a different case because they're balling out so far. What I'm just talking though is the Ezekiel Elliott production. Zeke's production has definitely gotten to a point where it's not looking great. 305 rushing yards and one TD through five games. They continue to feed him the ball less, and it's looking like he's not really a elite running back more. More so like a serviceable one that you can plug in anywhere and he'll do well. It may be unlikely that he might receive another extension, considering that that Tony Pollard has been playing really good. So if you're the Cowboys, maybe it's time to finally let Zeke go. The expectation for the Cowboys was that the team has been lucky to win games while Dak has been hurt. And the defense has been really, really good. The concern I have now is that if Dak Prescott gets back, it's not that how much better that they can be with Dak. The question is... Do they go with Dak or do they go with Cooper Rush? Because remember, Tony Romo suffered a similar injury and allowed for Dak Prescott to rise and be the starting quarterback. Is this what's going to happen with Cooper Rush taking over? I don't know. It'll be interesting to monitor. Next team is the New York Giants who have gone a 4-1 record, guys. Holy cow, the world is ending. The Cowboys and the Giants have winning records, and it's a three-way race in the NFC East. Holy cow. I'm just kidding, but this, this is a surprise for me, definitely. What am I liking about this Giants star? Hey, guys, Saquon Barkley, guys, is back. He is playing really good. 533 rushing yards and three TDs through five games to go along with 143 receiving yards through the air. It is amazing, literally because of the fact that many thought that Saquon would be traded before the season would start because everybody had him as labeled as injury prone. He His time there was done. He's been the one bright spot for this Giants offense. What am I disliking, though, is Daniel Jones. That's it. (laughs) Daniel Jones has been pretty average Daniel Jones. 848 passing yards to go along with three touchdowns and two interceptions through five games. Again, it's not elite level. It's It's like not even close to average. It's like below average for me. It's pretty obvious that the Giants aren't going to have him as a long-term quarterback, but they want to obviously use the most of his rookie cap and basically play it out. Because by the end of this year, he probably won't be re-signed. He'll probably be gone from the team after this year. Another issue I have, though, is the Kadarius Tony usage. Uh, Kadarius Tony has only played two games due to injury, and you figure that you know a receiver that they took with the first-round pick, they thought they would get him the ball more in his other two games. Zero yards on two catches so far. That's bad for a receiver like him. So, what are my expectations for these Giants? Well, I honestly think they should not have been 3-1, and one, but they are. They should have gotten the record that they are, but they can't. 
They have victories over the Titans, Bears, Packers, and Panthers. The Packers one is the most interesting one. The rushing attack is very good, and I like it. But the thing that's concerning me is that how much more can Saquon go before this team starts to struggle more? Because their passing attack is not great. Their defense overall, not good. So how much can Saquon carry this team to help them continue to win games? I don't know. It'd be interesting to monitor their situation as the season goes along. And of course, we also have the Washington Commanders. God, it feels weird to say them at Commanders and not the football team or the Redskins. Their record is 1-4 and four this year, which is pretty surprising. Um, not surprising in a good way, surprising in a bad way, because I thought that this team would have been a lot better than they are. What am I liking, though, is that, well, the receiving trio that they have built is actually pretty good. Terry McLaurin has 326 receiving yards and a touchdown. Curtis Samuel has 281 and two touchdowns. And then Jahan Dotson, the rookie, 152 receiving yards and four touchdowns. The receiving core is really good, and they have a lot of young pieces there that I'm liking. What am I disliking, though, is that Carson Wentz just isn't impressing me. He's not great. 1,390 passing yards, 10 TDs, and 6 INTs, and being sacked 20 times. And the thing is that most of those yards and TDs have occurred during garbage time when he has been losing games against other teams. It's not it. And hell, it's gone bad to the point where Ron Rivera even said, called out, got called out, right? Because a reporter asked that, why are the teams like the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys are doing better than they are? And he said quarterback. It's clear that he's saying that Wentz is the problem in Washington and that he's not playing well. That's bad. So the Commanders, I think, as we all know, they're not a good team. Their offense struggles early and they dig themselves into deep holes early and their defense is just not looking as promising considering that they were supposed to be the future you know defensive line greats it's not looking great Wentz has definitely been showing that how he's fallen from grace and to be completely honest I don't know who won that trade a couple years a couple months ago that was the Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz trades I don't really know who won as a result because they both look exactly the same and the last division that we will be looking at, uh, finally, is of course my favorite, the NFC West. And we'll start out with the Seattle Seahawks, who have an impressive 2-3 record so far this year. Um, the Seahawks, what I'm liking about them is that Geno Smith has been playing really good football, guys. And he's honestly looking like Russell Wilson. 1,305 passing yards, 9 TDs, and 2 interceptions so far this year. That is really good production from a guy who was considered a backup for most of his years. 7th in total offensive yards and 7th in points scored. And again, it's surprising that Geno Smith is doing this because everybody had written him off as a bust quarterback who would better be a backup than a starting quarterback. It's impressive how he's been doing. His receiving core has been really good as well. DK Metcalf has 372 receiving yards and one TD. And Tyler Lockett has 406 receiving yards and two TDs through those games. The offense in general has played good in the passing game. But the defense, though, has been the one downside for this team. Their defense is bad. Bottom four in total yards allowed, bottom seven in passing yards, and bottom four in rushing. Their defense is obviously in a massive rebuilding state, and it'll be a while before it gets back to the, the Legion of Boom days. But yet again, again, those days might be behind them at some point. 
The expectation is that the Seahawks are going to be in a rebuild, but considering where they are offensively, they can definitely upset opponents when they can necessary. <coughs> the quarterback situation is going to be interesting. If Geno Smith continues to ball out, the question is, does, does Seattle stick with him and say, you'll be a short-term starting quarterback for us while we develop somebody else? Or... After the year, they say, okay, let's actually trade him for a team that's desperate for a QB and use that pick to get ourselves a quarterback. Monitor the situation because it will be fun to look at as the season goes along. Next up, we have the Cardinals who have a 2-3 and three record, which is not where I thought they'd be at this point. I thought they'd be at 3-2. and two. And their team definitely has struggled. What am I liking is that Hollywood Brown has been pretty productive for the team so far. 417 receiving yards and three TDs, and he's led the receivers for the Cardinals. He's definitely played well, considering that he was supposed to be the guy to help them since DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for about six games. So he, I think he'd probably be two more, and then he'll be back. So very good production from Hollywood Brown. Buda Baker has also been pretty good for the Cardinals so far. 32 total tackles and a forced fumble so far, so he's still showing why he's one of the top safeties in the league right now. So good, good, good on him. What am I disliking though is that the offense struggles in scoring first. All five games that the Cardinals have played have never seen them score first, and they never have the lead early. Lead early. They're always trailing early against opponents, and that's a problem. You can never win games when you're trailing an opponent because of the fact that it's hard for you to come back in those games. And considering their offense has struggled with that, it's definitely become an alarming situation for them. James Conner's production has also dipped. Only 200 rushing yards and one TD through five games. And that's bad considering that he led the league last year in rushing touchdowns. He has no 100-yard game so far. And it's kind of showing that the Chase Edmonds departure, the Chase Edmonds departure has definitely caused Conner's production from last year to dip. Not because of him not having uh, yards, he's leading the team in carries, but now because there's no other reliable number two, he struggled to be a dual threat weapon to where you can use him anywhere. And that's alarming. The Cardinals' expectations that I have for them is that they seem lost without DeAndre Hopkins. And the thing is that the team needs to start scoring early so that way they feel more comfortable and they move the ball better as a result. And that's the thing. I don't know how much of this will change once DeAndre gets back because, again, it's a definitely an adjustment as a result. But it'll be interesting to see to monitor this team as it goes along. Next, we have my personal favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers, a three and two record. Again, I didn't think this team would be three and two. I thought they'd be four and one. But hey, I'll take a three and two record any day. <laughs> So what am I liking about this team, though? The defense, guys. This defense is really, really good. Number one in yards allowed per game, averaging 12.2 yards a lot points allowed per game, sorry. 21 sacks this year. Very good production by this defense with playmakers such as Bosa, Warner, Hufunga, Trovarius Ward. They have a really good defense. Despite the injuries that are happening, they've been playing really good. And Debo Samuel, guys, is still the best wide back in the NFL. 391 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns through four, well, five games now. Samuel has played well with his contract extension, and many still think that he probably was cheaped out of a better contract, but he's played well. He's played well, and the team has benefited as a result. 
What I'm disliking, though, is that the team has definitely gotten into instances where they struggle win games when they're supposed to win. Prime example, Trey Lance couldn't beat the Justin Fields Bears due to penalties because the team suffered the most penalties they ever had at one point, and they couldn't win the game. The Jimmy Garoppolo, because of his not having first-team reps, suffered an ugly loss to the Broncos, losing by a safety. Again, if the 49ers had everything go their way, they could easily be 5-0 at this point. But they are not, which is alarming. The situation now is that, the, what, the, what I'm not liking is that their heavy injuries are out the gate. Trey Lance is now out for the rest of the year after only one and a half games played. The running back room has suffered major injuries with guys like Travere Davis-Price and Elijah Mitchell getting hurt. Their O-line and D-line have also suffered setbacks with guys like Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw on the defense, and then Trent Williams on the offense. It's definitely alarming that this team has once again had to suffer through those injuries. The expectations I have for the 49ers. Their defense alone can win them a championship. We've seen those kind of defenses do that in the past. My question is, how good must this 49ers offense be to be able to get them there? Because you've seen barely average offenses can help get a defense anywhere. We've seen that in the past. The question is, how good can Kyle Shanahan's offense be so that they can win that game, basically? And then the final team that we will talk about is, of course, the Super Bowl champs, the LA Rams. And boy, have they struggled. A 2-3 and three start for them. It was not where I thought they'd be. Their record shows that they have struggled. What am I lacking, though? Is that Cooper Cup is still one of the best receivers in the league, guys. Probably the best. 527 receiving yards and four touchdowns through his five games. He has caught 49 of his 64 passes thrown to him. That is impressive. And Bobby Wagner's production, guys, that they acquired from him in the offseason, really good. 33 total tackles and two sacks so far this year. It is surprising considering that he was released from the Seattle Seahawks, guys, because they were going to rebuild and they didn't want his contract. That is amazing. But the Rams have struggled. I'm not liking Matthew Stafford's start. 1,323 yards. Five touchdowns, seven interceptions. That is alarming for the Super Bowl quarterback that they got from him. He's been sacked 21 times so far this year, which is, again, the offensive line being rebuilt and being different is definitely a struggle. And probably one of the biggest concerns is that he still has not thrown a fourth-quarter touchdown this year. That is alarming. But even more alarming, the Allen Robinson production. Allen Robinson was brought in to replace Odell Beckham Jr. because of his injury, and many thought him as an upgrade over him. How'd he do? He's only had 107 receiving yards and one TD so far in five games. He's only caught 12 passes, and considering that he was supposed to replace Odell in the production, it's definitely looking like he's a bust so far. So what am I seeing from the Rams? Their offense seems to revolve around throwing the ball to Cup 90% of the time. It just doesn't really seem like they're trying to spread the ball out. The rushing attack needs to improve, and Robinson needs to get a better game plan in mind so that he can continue to ball out. Because if, if teams start to realize that, hey, you can let Cooper Cup go off and then just cover everybody else, 
it's become an alarming thing to see. And considering their last two losses against the Niners and the Cowboys, the Rams are in a very difficult situation as to where exactly they're going to be going this year. Can they actually go back to the Super Bowl, or are they going to be hitting that Super Bowl slump? And some people have definitely made this comparison. Are the Rams having the same year that the LA Lakers had, where they won that won that NBA championship that one year, and then the following year they struggled massively? I don't know. So what do I think of these teams so far? Every single team has surprised me, has impressed me, has not impressed me. The year is not over. Every team has a chance to continue to improve and get better. And this is just, you know, a first quarter take. Hopefully, as the year goes on, everybody gets better, every team gets better, and hopefully, by the time we get to halfway to this season, we'll have a better idea as to who we think are favorites to make the playoffs, who are not, and overall, where every team stands. But that is it, ladies and gentlemen. One very long episode concludes now. I really hope you guys do enjoy it. If you did, be sure to let me know in the comment section below. And as always, be sure to like and also give me give my other episodes a listen because I do put a lot of effort into them. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a fantastic day and goodbye.